Hello and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownWBB and, of course, follow all things college basketball, WNBA, everything women's basketball at High Post Hoops, 24-7, 365. And this moment in time, I think, is a particularly difficult one for all of us, uh, but certainly the case right now for Blake Dietrich of the Atlanta Dream, who joins us. And Blake, I, I guess the place that we have to start is your alma mater, Princeton, and just the fact that they were poised. I, I got to see them uh, with a live look several times this year. They were poised to make a real tournament run. I, just as a Princeton alum, how disappointed are you that they didn't get the chance to do that? Uh, it's pretty devastating. I think everything happened so quickly. At first, it was just the Ivy League tournament being canceled, but they said Princeton would still get the the automatic bid, and so you know it was like, okay, we can we can live with that. And then suddenly, the whole tournament is canceled, and um, I think they were going to get a great seed, probably a better seed than we did, mm-hmm. and uh, that would really have helped them hopefully get past the first two rounds maybe vice versa, sweet 16 spot. Um, can, can I digress on that briefly we'll and, and talk about the yeah, outrage? I, I feel, I was not even part of that team, but I feel outrage years later that you guys, 30-0, and 0, I mean, and, and I went yeah. back to double-check it to make sure I was not misremembering. <laughs> you guys had double-digit wins over Pitt, over Wake Forest. Yep. You beat Georgetown yep. by 29. You beat Michigan at Michigan by 30. The idea that you yep. guys were an eight seed and had to face, you know, the eventual Final Four team from Maryland, it, yeah. does it still bother you? I or am I just <laughs> the one who it still bothers? I think with the seniors and this team losing their NCAA tournament, it's kind of brought back some some bitter <laughs> feelings about our our run. I think we definitely could have gone further with a different seed, um, but it is what it is. At the end of the day. Uh, and I'm just I'm just sad for these seniors and this team yeah. that they weren't able to get that chance because I think they were going to get a better seed. I think they were going to have a better opportunity and could potentially have gone the furthest of any Ivy League team ever in the tournament. So we, it's really disappointing. It is. I, we have a projection tournament. We're running a simulation at High Post Hoops, and we had Princeton as a five seed. Uh, my certified bracketologist uh, who studied under Joe Lunardi had that. Uh, I loudly proclaim that you guys should have been a top four seed. There should have been hosting to yeah. Jadwin, but uh, that we'll, we'll never get to see it. It's just, it's a very strange no. part of the moment. But, but I guess as long as we're projecting, and I, I, I want to put you on the spot with this, you compare <laughs> that team, that 30-0 and 0 team, to the team mm-hmm. that just completed, you know, Bella Allery with that amazing performance and season but by no means limited just to just to Bella when you look at Carly Littlefield when you look at the talent top to bottom on that team my favorite thing the top 10 players in terms of minutes per game on this Princeton team had steal percentages north of two and six of them had steal percentages north of three I mean just a ridiculous example of team defense it it really is so between the two who who prevails your team or this team you know this is, that's a very interesting question, and I've actually talked about it with my dad because he is a basketball statistics junkie. And mm-hmm. uh, so, look if you look at the teams on paper, we were slightly better offensively. They are slightly better defensively. I think rebounds they're slightly better, but we shot a higher percentage, so there were fewer rebounds to to get. 
Um, I think it would be a really tough matchup. I think it would be an awesome game to watch. I yeah. wish we could do that somehow. We could get everybody back together and play play that game. <laughs> um, but I have to say, I mean, I'm a little bit biased, but I have to say I think we, the 2015 team, would, would squeak out a win, maybe by a point or two. <laughs> Is a perfectly reasonable projection to make, I think. And no one, no one would begrudge you it. So, well, we're, we're all looking forward to basketball returning at some point. But take me through just what's been going on in the meantime. I, I understand you're, you know, under self-quarantine at the moment. What's, yeah. what's the last few days, few weeks been like for you? Yeah, it's been crazy. I, we were preparing for a game this Saturday. Hmm. Or, yes, this Saturday um, in Spain. And this past Saturday. And right. when I woke up Friday, I'm sorry, Thursday morning, mm-hmm. everything had changed. Trump had um, declared the travel ban, which I know didn't affect American citizens, but it was still just like kind of a wake up call for everyone that things were going to continue to escalate really quickly. Sure. Um, I was prepared to have practice that evening by 12 o'clock in the morning. Practice was canceled. I mean, by 12 o'clock. In the afternoon, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Practice was canceled, and then we had we ended up having a team meeting. Our president sat everyone down, the Spanish players and the foreign players, and basically said, "Look, this is the situation. We have suspended all play for two weeks minimum in the Spanish league. If you want to go home, we will let you, and we will help you get there." Mm-hmm. So I, it was I immediately was like, "I need to get it, go home because." Spain was talking about full quarantine, like what was going on in Italy. They were saying Spain was a few days behind in terms of the spread of the virus and and all of that. So I was like, even if I come back to Spain and finish the season, great, but I want to wait it out in the U.S. and just feel much more secure um, and not isolated in a foreign country. So I had a flight. I had a flight Friday morning. I got home before the travel ban, which was great. Just saved me a little bit of time and (laughs) <laughs> energy at the at the airport and exposure um, but yeah as well yes yeah yes exactly and the, the Lufthansa um flight attendants were like oh this is our last flight to Boston for the season like we don't know when we'll be back but like hope you all enjoyed it it was kind of a really strange experience everyone was masked on on the plane and um yeah now unfortunately my parents can't go to work either because they are they've come in contact with me right so we're all on quarantine for 14 days um and uh yeah it's been it's been crazy i'm lucky we have some gym equipment here at home Mm -hmm. um but the weather's been pretty pretty uh gross the past few days so getting outside has been tricky but um i'm doing everything i can to dribble and ball handle outside and pass and do everything i can without without um being in an actual gym and then working out obviously just find workouts online places have been streaming workouts live workouts on instagram which is mm-hmm. great so yeah you just you do the best you can with what you have i mean let's be real like you, your shot is automatic anyway if we go back to Princeton, <laughs> north of 40 percent from three year in and year out and that's continued uh, in your professional career uh hitting those shots so that that'll come back i'm, I'm sure right away but more important by far is what are the games that you and your parents are playing? I was talking to Nafisa Collier earlier this week, and she said that there were some very intense Monopoly games going on where she's back home, and I'm wondering, oh, okay. what, 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 what do you guys have on tap? Well, I have, I have two very cerebral parents, so it may be a little bit more tame, but we've been playing some Scrabble, nice. and uh, Bananagrams can get, bananagram can get pretty, pretty heated as well. <laughs> it's basically like a sped-up version of Scrabble. Um, mm-hmm. 
and there's a time limit and everything. But yeah, and then uh, some puzzles. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's been interesting. It's been quite a bonding experience. <laughs> is there is there a puzzle you're particularly proud of? Um, you know, for instance, um, Tia, Tia Nurse is working on uh, puzzles of uh, obscure birds, uh, thousand piece puzzles. Oh, very nice. Yep, I am on a, a thousand piece right now. It is of the city, the town of Oya in Santorini, nice. and uh, it's actually where my parents. I played in Greece two seasons ago, mm-hmm. and when my parents and I went to uh, went to Santorini, we stayed in one of the little apartments on the on the cliff, and you can actually see the apartment that we stayed in in this puzzle. So I'm very excited to get to that point and find our little apartment and <laughs> complete this one. That's sound, that sounds amazing. That's that, it's, yeah. it's 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 like aspirational and passes the time all at once. And then I know obviously exactly. you're you're a huge reader. So there's yes. at least for me part of this and sort of the silver lining I try to keep going back to is all right, we're staying inside but there is more time to be able to get to reading. Uh, have, have you found yeah. that to be the case? And I'm curious, what, what's, on, what's on your nightstand right now for reading? Yeah, that was the first thing I did was go on Amazon and um, order a couple books when I got home. But mm-hmm. uh, my list keeps getting longer and longer. But the, the thing I'm reading right now is um, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, David and Goliath. Right. And it's been excellent so far. Um, I'm really enjoying that. And then the other things that I have got on my list are a couple of more leadership, business-type books. Um, I think the next one I'm going to do is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Think Fast and Slow was another one I just ordered. So, yeah, just trying to keep my brain working as much as possible. And um, also look ahead, you know, when basketball ends, there's going to be <laughs> a lot of life left to figure out. So preparing true. for that a little bit as well, uh, as always. All made sense. And so let's talk a little bit about that, about the life that's ahead. I'm going to throw another stat out there, uh, you know, for all of us to consume. When you have been a member of the Atlanta Dream, the Atlanta Dream has never failed to win at least 23 games and reach the WNBA semifinals. <laughs> That is universally true. That's true. An immutable law of basketball. And so when you think about <laughs> getting back to the Atlanta dream, you know, more specifically, that fit, it just seems like such a great fit. You're shooting on a team that needs to space the floor more. Can you take me through your thinking about that and your conversations with Nikki Collin uh, leading to you guys, you guys getting back together? Yeah. I mean, I was pretty upfront with Nikki. I before even free agency had started, I told her, it was actually really funny. So I was home for a February break from Spain and I had texted her basically just saying, look, coach, like I loved playing for you. I want to play for you again. Um, I would love an opportunity to come into camp. And I was sending that text message as I was going to the Harvard Princeton basketball game mm-hmm. in Har- at Harvard. And I walk into the gym and who do I see in the stands, but Nikki <laughs> there to watch Bella. <laughs> And it just really felt like uh, like fate. It was so um, incredible that I sent the text, and within five minutes I was looking at her. Um, and it was just awesome to sit next to her for the game. We talked basketball. We talked life. And I just have so much respect for her as a person, as a woman, and just in every aspect. And so to be able to come back and play for her again um, is an honor. And I just I really felt like she valued me as a player and as a person, and mm-hmm. I, I felt like she appreciated what I could do for the team, both on and off the court, 
And just to have that respect from a WNBA coach is is incredible, and there's no one else I would rather play for. She's gone out of her way to talk about how difficult the decision was to let you go last year. And so I think that that really speaks to the type of relationship she builds in this league, that she's able to maintain them, you know, whatever the decisions are made as far as the roster goes. But, you know, from, from a fit in Atlanta, you know, they've made a lot of different moves. It seems not just like an opportunity for you to be on a roster, but for a chance you know, and something that I've certainly been waiting for from afar, for you to get that regular extended time in the rotation. Has it, in those conversations, seemed as if you have a fit and opportunity to be that type, you know, almost like what what Sammy Whitcomb is doing out in Seattle for the last couple of years? Yeah, um, well, thank you for saying that, first of all. Um, but I definitely think the ball is in my court at this point. Like, all all I can really ask for is a chance to come into camp and, and show them what I've learned in the off season and mm-hmm. what I've improved upon in my game. And at the end of the day, uh, what they see in camp is what will de- decide that, de- like, make that decision. And so as long as I can perform at my best and show that I've improved, um, I think there definitely is that opportunity. But it's it's all in my hands uh, at this point. I'm just grateful for the opportunity, and I have to do my best when I get there. And then for fans who haven't gotten the chance to see you as much, uh, especially overseas, what is the biggest change? What's the biggest uh, new addition in your mind to your game, even relative to what people saw last season? Yeah, I think I'm just trying to keep working on my mid-range game. Mm-hmm. I think I can shoot the three, and I can get to the rim when I need to, um, but working on that mid-range, which is a lost art in, mm-hmm. the, in, in women's basketball at the moment. Um, I think that's the, the thing that will help me stay uh, a valuable asset at the next level. Well, I, I, a valuable three-point shooter and three-level scorer, yeah. I think, I think there'll be some rotations <laughs> that have room for that. Well, Blake, before I let you go, just everybody's doing this right now, I know, and thinking about the world after after this all passes. And I guess I wonder, yeah. what, what is the thing you're most excited about doing when it's all said and done and we can get back to the world as we know it? Yeah, I think just hug the people I am close to who I'm not in quarantine with. You know, I want to see my brother and give him a hug and yeah. my teammates and my college friends and everyone who, you know, that physical interaction is extremely important and there's only so much you can do over FaceTime and and, um, and phone calls and I've learned that obviously living overseas uh, but at the end of the day to be able to, to see those people and let them know in person how much they mean to me and uh, how important they are in my life I think I'm really looking forward to that. It's almost like the entire world is experiencing what it was to be a professional women's basketball player over the last few years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. Exactly. Now you all know how tough it's been. <laughs> no, no joke. No joke. Well, Blake, thank you so much for taking the time to chat, and uh, I know you. our listeners all wish you well. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for interviewing me. I appreciate it.